Subscribe to this podcast to get exclusive access to the after show, Shooting the Breeze. Hello and welcome to the Collects Persons Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Peters. Today we will be speaking with Carlene Wagner and she'll be talking about her experience with kidney failure and getting a new kidney from someone else and how God kind of worked through that whole situation and helped her form her business, Living Your Best Life with Carlene. And she's going to talk about that business as well and just give us some information on it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Cool Expression Podcast. As I said before, I am your host, Tony Peters. Today, we have Carlene Wagner. Uh, she's going to talk uh, about her experience with kidney failure, as well as uh, a little bit about her business that she uh, is running as a result of some of what she's been through. So why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself uh, and a little bit about what you do? Well, I am just grateful to be here. So thank you for the opportunity to come on and share with uh, your followers and everything. And um, yeah, I... So a little bit just about who I am. I am a Colorado native. I've lived here my entire life. And I, um, you know, grew up in Colorado, went to school in Colorado. And my kids, uh, I have two kids. They are 20 and 22, both boys. And they're both kind of pretty much on their own right now. So my husband and I are experiencing empty nesting, which is... I was just thinking that. You're empty nesting whole new uh part of life and and it's fun it's fun being able to um I don't know just be the two of us again and to you know kind of reignite what brought us together in the first place we've been married for 27 years um we've known each other for a very very long time and so yeah it's it's been it's been a wild ride, but <laughs> I think, you know, life is never exactly what you think it's going to be. And, um, I started out in physical therapy and exercise sports science was my original degree. I decided to stay home when the kids were born so that I could, uh, you know, be there and raise them and be present. And once they went to school, well, while they were little, um, I did a lot of volunteer work with our church and with, uh, mops, which is mothers of preschools ministry. And then when they went to school at the time, we were uh, in martial arts and I was looking for something to do that was flexible that I could do while they were at school or that they could come with me. And so I actually ended up running the academy that we were at and worked there for about 15 years, I think, um, as an instructor and also running the academy. And um, it was during that time when I was there that I suddenly found out I was in kidney failure and we'll go a little bit more into that. But um, because of my experience with kidney failure and everything, I actually went on a different path in uh, my life as far as what I do, my business, um, and just in how and how I view life, which I know we'll get into a little bit too as we talk a little bit more. But um, so it, it was interesting though, at one point I really thought, okay, Lord, what you know, what, where do you want me to go? What you, do you want me to do? And, and the answer I got back is look back at your life and see what you've done and where you flourished the most, what you enjoyed the most and, and do more of that. And so I started looking back at like all of my different careers, I guess, you know, in physical therapy and in working in ministry and in uh, martial arts. And I realized that they were all very service-based, you know, serving people, helping people in physical therapy. It was helping people to get back uh, into, you know, quality of life. And in ministry, it was helping young moms to 
you know, learn how to transition from, you know, whatever their life was, whether it was a working mom or whether, you know, whatever it might've been into motherhood and making that transition and, uh, you know, to be successful there. And then at martial arts, you know, of course it's helping people to, um, create, first of all, good, healthy habits as far as exercise. But I mean, we worked with confidence and respect and discipline and teaching people how to be able to defend themselves physically as well. So all of these, you know, areas of my life really were about serving and helping people to better themselves, empowering people. Um, and, and then, you know, just in, in that aspect of, living a godly life as well and being a witness to people in all of these things I did. And so um, it was really a a, a great way to look back and see, okay, where have I come from? What have I done? And now what do I want to do? So um, yeah, God's been a part of my life for, for many years. I was not raised as a Christian, but I accepted Christ um, probably when I was in high school And then when I got married, my husband and I kind of recommitted ourselves to Christ. And so uh, it's made all the difference in in our decisions over all the years with our kids and with our family and with our jobs and all that kind of stuff. But so that's kind of just a brief history (laughs) of where I am now. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, kids definitely do make it tough to do a lot of the things you used to do. You learn to do new things that are surrounding yeah. them, but uh, definitely that's something at times I miss. I-, I love my kids dearly, but there are times where I'm just like, I wish I could just go out and do this or just go out to a restaurant because you have money and now you have kids, you don't have the money. <laughs> and you got to think of four people for a restaurant. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, there is a restaurant locally that we, we visit. It's just actually a block and a half away. So we just walk up there and the owners are fantastic people. And um, yeah, so that is one restaurant we do enjoy, but I miss sometimes being able to, to do those things. Well, just the spontaneity of, yeah, you know, either you take the kids or you figure out what to do with them. Yeah. <laughs> we always kind of had a little rule that if we had to pay for whatever it was we were going to, we would try to find like uh, somebody, family or somebody that we could swap childcare with. So we didn't have to pay for childcare. If the event we were going to was free, then we would pay for childcare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, we have lots of family here too, that they can watch the kids. Um, it's just, sometimes you, you get that little guilt, like, uh, I'm doing this. The kids would really enjoy this. Yeah. So we, yeah, we don't have a lot of date nights. We need more. <laughs> we, we just celebrated our 15th. <laughs> just need to be creative in your date nights yeah we've got we've got to learn to do that because uh definitely that's something i i miss is that like you say spontaneity like let's just go away for the weekend or let's just go here like let's just do that like i miss that but uh, and coming upon being empty nesters was um another thing that kind of influenced where i went as far as like uh, income creation, I guess I should say, because I didn't want to be stuck in something that I couldn't be a little bit more spontaneous with. My husband owns his own business and he, his schedule is not consistent. It's not a nine to five Monday through Friday. It is, you know, 12 hours, one day, nothing the next day, two 10 hour days in a row. It's crazy. And so sounds like um, podcasting. <laughs> yeah. So to be able to be, available when he was available was super important to me. 
um, especially when the kids were gone, because I didn't want to, you know, oh, he's finally off and now I'm stuck. (laughs) So that that plays a role in kind of, you know, where I've come and where I am today. But uh, I do like the ability to be somewhat spontaneous again. And I mean, you're going to miss times when you could have done some things with the kids too. Like my wife's always like, Oh yeah. She's always like, Oh, you know, another one might be nice. And then we think about it. We're like, yeah, two is probably enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you have those moments. Well, you but, can't do everything all the time. No, you, you can't. And, and I understand your husband's schedule because yeah, with this, it's sometimes I'm editing for, like you say all, all day long editing and, and trying to get videos out and in, in a reasonable manner. Cause I I'm OCD. Like I said, I've discussed before, but uh, I, I like things to be done. I don't think like things on my to-do list that stresses me out. So I just, I get it done. Yeah. But sometimes that makes it really long days. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and then, yeah. and then you get a cancellation and you're like, I have a free day. <laughs> I, let, let's put on a devotion. I can edit that. I can get that out. That'll take me about an hour to get all that stuff done. And then, you know, I can do, do a few bookings if I need to, but the rest of the day, I can just, I can go for a walk, a long walk. When my kids get home, I can go for a long walk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's good. It's hard with my son to do a longer walk. So he complains about getting sore, but uh, we'll, we'll work on that. Yeah. Um, so how do you see God at work through your, just throughout your, your life? How have you kind of seen him at different points where he's kind of just directed you? Yeah. So uh, well, I, I think one of the biggest things originally was, well, let's go back to when I accepted Christ again. When I was in high school, my girlfriend invited me to join her handbell choir at church. And I'd always wanted to do that. And uh, so I went and joined her handbell. I was not a member of the church. My family did not go to church, <laughs> uh, but I wanted to join the handbell choir. And through that, I, my family actually started going to church and to see me play. And then they started coming to church as well. And I, you know, accepted Christ through that experience. And, but at the time I didn't understand what it meant to have, to, to live a Christian life, I guess. And to have that relationship, it was more like, oh, okay, you know, check. I, I accepted Christ, but I didn't have the, um, I want to say the the people alongside me to really show me what that looked like. Um, and it wasn't until my husband and I were engaged and about ready to get married that a friend of mine from work had invited us to go to her church. And there was a young marrieds group there that she invited us to. And my husband at the time was working on Sundays. So I would go to the group and I'd come home and tell him like, man, these people are really amazing. And Um, you know, I wish you could come. Well, in the meantime, he's telling me about this group of people that would always come to lunch after church on Sundays and come to find out it's the same group of people. So if that's not God's hand, I don't know. (laughs) So he finally got to the point where he could switch his schedule and he was able to have Sundays off. And so we both started going to this young marriage group. And I mean, both of us will say today that we are probably still married because of this group, the people we met and the leadership, the counseling, everything that we got being a part of this group and the church that we were at. Uh, Neither of us had a great 
experience of, or what I should I say, a great uh, example of what a Christian marriage should look like. Um, my parents weren't, uh, you know, Christians while I was growing up. My and his parents just had a very difficult relationship, and so neither of us had that example of what marriage was supposed to look like. <laughs> and so we both came into marriage kind of like clueless almost, you know, um, you know, just didn't know what marriage was supposed to look like, but being a part of this young marriage group, we had so many incredible examples of what Christian marriage looked like that we were able to start off our marriage on the right foot and, follow these people and learn from these people. We learned how to do ministry together. We learned how to, I mean, things like how to fight fair. You know, I mean, how to, how to organize your schedule together. I mean, just so many practical things that I don't think if we had had those tools that we would still be together, honestly. And so that was a huge, huge, huge God moment. And we are just forever thankful for that 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 happened and that we were both able to kind of separately meet this group and then come together and be able to be a part of this group. And we were a part of that group for a number of years. We ended up becoming kind of senior uh, couple in the group where we would, you know, embrace and envelop newer, younger couples. And, and it turned into some ministry that we did for a few years um, with that. So that was a huge, that was a huge God, God moment in our life. Um, yeah, I, I can't even, yeah, I don't even want to think about where we would be right now. <laughs> yeah, it's important to have like young adult groups and Bible study groups. Um, really missed that during COVID. Uh, we're oh, supposed to be yeah. starting up uh, some more stuff in the fall here that my pastors asked me to be involved in. And um, yeah, I think it's really, really important because it does. Like when we were in Bible study groups, like we could learn from some of the couples who were a little bit older than what we were they weren't like elderly but they their kids were in high school and so we could see the that example and like you say and we could follow that and I think that was really helpful and I think young adult groups um I didn't really attend young adult groups growing up but I kind of wish I did because at, right after you get out of high school like you really you need guidance yeah and yeah. and yeah and that you see that in the marriage like it teaches you about communication and and like you say fighting fair um, my <laughs> wife my wife and I for years we never fought like we didn't never had a fight and was like you never have a fight said like, no we just discuss everything yeah. like if, if something's bugging we just discuss what's bugging us like it's just <laughs> yeah now we've had a few tiffs now that we have kids because they put a little bit more pressure on that <laughs> and then the kids are like you guys are fighting I'm like we're having a discussion it's getting a little heated it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mom and dad are fine. We're just, once, once we've had this discussed, we move on. We don't hold grudges. It's just. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I was, I was always kind of a yeller. And when I would yell, Tim would pull back and get quiet. And so I'm like, why aren't you fighting back? And, and just to learn, you know, kind of like what our, our, our needs are too, as far as, you know, he, and uh, he needs time to process things. So he's not real quick on the comeback on things. And it's not because I'm not important or he's not 
invested in whatever the situation is, he needs time to process. Well, I needed to know that about him. I needed to learn that about him. And on, on the other side, he needs to learn that I process things very quickly and things just tend to come out of my mouth as I think them. And sometimes it's not fully formed. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, for us to kind of meet in that middle there that, okay, I understand how you think, where you're coming from, and I understand how you do as well. And to be able to learn that, um, but, but also to be in an environment with all those other you know, Christian couples where they could help us with that too. <laughs> you know, we didn't feel like we were on our own trying to figure out everything. So yeah. I, it is very important. And I think COVID really put a kink in um, people getting together. And I think people are slow to get back to that. And it's so important to be around others. Yeah. And I was just looking up a book that uh, really helped my wife and I. Uh, and so for anybody who's maybe, uh, you know, you want to learn about your your spouse and what how they work. There's a book by Gary Chapman uh, called The Five Love Languages. I would highly recommend reading that book. It is fantastic. You learn so much about yourself as well as your spouse. So that is one I would, I would highly recommend. And no, he's not paying me to say that. Um, <laughs> it's just a, a book that I, I would highly recommend reading. It's, and if you've read it before, reading it again, sometimes, sometimes helps Can you see different things. Because um, like you say, there's always times and things that you're learning about your spouse. Um, I've learned that when, when we are starting to get a little heated, give my wife space so she can, like you say, process it. She can think about it um and and sometimes I think about it and I'm like oh I was probably wrong (laughs) I have to admit that I was wrong yeah yeah but uh just sometimes you just you do you need to step back and just give space and think about it and be like you know think about what you said think about what she's saying the points that they're coming from be like okay I kind of understand that and you can meet in the middle and and compromise um is something that's hard to do but it's not really, I guess it's not really compromising. It's just meeting somewhere being like, you know, I understand this and then they understand this and you just be like, okay, like, okay, we can work with this. Like you can find, find reason in both people's um, arguments and what they're, and what they're saying um, rather than letting it get into a full blown out marriage ending thing because most most marriage ending fights are actually not over something huge they're actually something that you could have worked out and you could have discussed um and and that's where god comes in prayer um often prayer time after a fight is is what you really need (laughs) well and just to be intentional too i think that's a big thing is that i mean marriage is not easy it's not, oh, we're going to sign the paper and everything's going to be great. It, it takes work. Parenting is not easy. It takes work. And it's not something you're never that ready. <laughs> you're never ready. And it's not something you go to school for. You know, you don't get educated on how to be a parent. I, I remember when we brought our first son home. We got in the car. We're like, are, do we need to take a test or something? Like yeah. you're sending us home with this child. And what do um, we do? <laughs> Yeah. And so in that offering a lot of grace too, I think that's something we, um, again, we're fortunate to have examples of, and also learned in, in our marriage is that, 
you need to, you know, just have grace. And, you know, if somebody's having a bad day and they explode, don't hold it against them for the next week, you know, understand that. Yeah. It was just this point in time, you know, and, and we can move on beyond it. Don't take it personally. Um, But yeah, there's no manual. No. Well, there is the Bible, but, um, you know, still going into the day to day, you know, how do you do this? How do you do this? And you're figuring it out as you go. So, and kids do put a lot more stress on your marriage. Um, And part of that is because you're learning every day. Yeah. uh, Just how much you don't know. Um, that's what you're learning. And, uh, sometimes that's a, a good thing for you to learn. Like, I don't yeah. know everything. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. And God has funny ways of showing us that. And, and kids are one of those funny ways. Cause yeah, they'll, they'll try your patience and then they'll really get you thinking like, what do I do? Like, yeah. and that, that's when, that's when you do turn to prayer or you turn to other people that, yeah. that you trust. Like, well, community is important you know, to have that community of people that are, uh, are are there to support you and encourage you and, and maybe are a little bit beyond where you are in years (laughs) or where you are in parenting so that you can, you know, rely on their experience. But I I like what you said, it has to be people you trust and that, you know, that are on the same kind of spiritual path that you are. Otherwise you could be trusting people that are following people that are not the best examples. (laughs) Yeah. And, and having that mindset of being willing to learn yeah, because some people aren't, they're, they're stubborn or hard headed. They're just like, Nope, not my way or the highway. And it's like, that's not the way it works, especially not with kids. Um, You can be strict, but sometimes when you're strict, it just pushes them in the opposite direction. Um, And that's where we've seen a lot of young Christians fall away from the faith is, is either lack of parenting so they don't have a good example or parents that have gone the opposite extreme. They've been too harsh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And finding that balance is hard. It's not easy. Uh, Oh no. It it is very hard to know. Like, when do I put my foot down? I'm the one that the kids can walk over a little bit more. (laughs) So my my wife hates it because she has to put the foot down. So I'm just like, I'm like, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Friend, friend of mine, when they were teaching, doing dog training, they're like, he can't help. <laughs> it's you. Yeah. Pointing, at, pointing at my wife and be like, it's you. You have to help. He, yeah. he, he's a pushover. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but I think what's important, though, is because our, I mean, we've had times where I was easier on the kids than he was and vice versa. Um, but they always knew that no matter what we, Tim and I were solid, like that we were coming from the same place and that in the end, you know, we were going to be in agreement on, you know, what actions were taken or, you know, what punishment was given or whatever it might be that you you couldn't, that we were together. So they could never play us off of each other because they knew that one, we were kind of, we were of the same mind, but also that we would check with each other. (laughs) You know, so knowing that we were we were of the same mind and had the same um, goals and vision and you know all those kinds of things around parenting and life and everything else was was helpful. Because if you have one parent that you just 
so even though you might be a little bit of a more of a pushover with the kids in the end, I'm sure they know that you and your wife are on the same page. Oh yeah. If my wife says something and I know she said something, I'm like, mom said it. Sorry. Yeah. That's the rules. Yeah. Them's the breaks. Guess you're losing your technology. <laughs> like, like yeah. there's times where they'll, uh, they'll have me their tablet and I'll, or, or their phone and I'll, I'll unlock it. Cause we have passwords and all their technology. Um, and then I'll hand it to them and then my wife will come down and she'll be like, I said that they couldn't have technology. I'm like, phone, <laughs> you're done for the day. Like yeah. it's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, because it's like, yeah, no, you're not, like you say, you're not playing us off each other. You got yeah. away with this. Well, now you're not getting away with it. Now you're not going to have it for the rest of the day. I hope you enjoyed your 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and doing it that way rather than, oh, it's okay. Just let them have another half hour. Well, that undermines, you know, and then, and that shows them that you're not on the same page and, you know, learning how to be on the same page, whether it's marriage or parenting or whatever it is, is, is important. And it is learning parenting. Yeah. You learn as you go. That's, oh my gosh. You make so many mistakes. I mean, yeah. you can get mad. Sometimes I'm mad at my parents for the mistakes that they made, but then I think about it. I'm like, well, I'm making mistakes too, as I go along. There's yeah. been times where I've, I've overreacted to things and I've gotten over mad. My, we were talking about that just actually this weekend. My son's like, you've only done that twice. And I'm like, you don't remember the times before you were three. <laughs> I overreacted a lot. Yeah. My patience, my fuse was short, but uh, now I've, I've learned through God and through, through times and through my wife, you know, n- not to overreact. And, and there's been times where it's like, even my brother's been like, been like, cool down, cool it. Yeah. And he didn't have kids at that time either so he didn't quite understand <laughs> but but it was times when I was like yeah okay yeah you're right <laughs> well and communication again um you know you just said that you know your parents made mistakes and my parents made mistakes but I would not be the person I am today had it not been for the way I was raised and sure there were mistakes there were things that could have been done differently would I go back and change them no because I don't know how that affected who I am today. And I like who I am today. Yeah. Well, you know, you don't know I how, am... how they, like, if they did it different, would the res- end result have been better or would it have been worse? Like you just don't know. Right. Right. And with our kids, we've made mistakes. I mean, I was going to say they're 20 and 22 and we're still learning about parenting. <laughs> it's just, and, you know, a new stage of, and of then grandkids are going to come along parenting. and you're going to have to relearn about that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And, and we've talked with the boys. We're like, you know, we were not perfect parents. We made mistakes and we hope, but that conversation again, we hope that you will forgive us for, you know, the things that maybe you thought we did that were not right. Um, Or, you know, maybe choices, decisions we made that weren't good for whatever reason. And that we were, it was, it's never our intention to harm you. We were doing our best. And can you just you know, be in a place of, of grace and forgiveness for us as well. But again, that's conversational and intentional and, um, you know, being willing to, to be humble again, to say, yeah, mom and dad aren't perfect. We didn't always do everything right. And hopefully you can learn from that too. (laughs) And it it comes down to forgiveness too, like, uh, in, in everything, because, uh, I always tell myself, you know, when people are getting and getting mad about something or they're swearing at me or they're trolling my videos because you get that, you get hate mail. 
Um, but uh, you just learn to be like, you know, Jesus died for my sins. He forgave my sins. Some of my sins are terrible. And God still forgives you. He forgives even people who have committed murder. You see that in prison, they'll change. And if God can forgive and Jesus can forgive the terrible things I've done, I have to be able to forgive other people. And that is a learned thing. That is definitely something you have to learn over time. Um, and it's something, it's not easy. It's really not easy, no. but it's an important lesson. Well, I, I love that it's while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Not once we got our act together and figured it out, yeah. then Christ died for us. So why do we expect everybody else to have their act fully together for us to accept them, to, you know, forgive them, whatever it might be? Yeah, it's the same stance I take with uh, LGBTQ movements and stuff like that. I may not agree with your lifestyle. I, I really think it's it's a sin. But at the end of the day, it's not going to make me hate you or treat you any differently. Because God loves you no matter who you are, what you are, God loves you. And, and again, forgiveness, like it's just, if God can forgive that sin, then it's not up to me to judge. And some of the messages I've gotten about people I've interviewed, I'm just like, I'm like, it's not up to me to judge them. I'm not going to judge them. And when they expect that I, I quote scripture and I'm like, look at the scripture and look up taking the log out of your own eye before you take the speck out of someone else's eye. That comes down again to judgment and forgiveness. And that's goes into marriage too, and goes into everything and, and applies to kids. It's like, before you go and judge your kids or your wife for the actions they took, look about it and be like, I've done worse. Like, what have I done? <laughs> yeah. Like, and at the end of the day, God is the judge. Yeah. He, he's the judge, not us. Well, and you know, I can, n- nobody agrees a hundred percent with everybody. You know, there are disagreements about lots of things. There's disagreements about what you should do with your life, how you should raise your kids, what your marriage should look like, everything. And oh, I can I've, disagree with you yeah. and still love you, still show kindness to you. Yeah. It's the same with the denominations in Christianity. Like <laughs> there's a lot of debates as to who's right and who's wrong. But at the end of the day, they're brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. And Yes, their theology might be slightly different, but is that really worth arguing and hating them over? Yeah. No, it's not. At the end of the day, you're called to love, and it doesn't matter what denomination you come from, you're still followers of Christ and brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's the same with church splits with COVID. Uh, we had some people leave our church for, with the COVID things because they didn't agree that we were following mandates. Um but we took the stance of the mandates are here. If it means we can still gather, let's just do it so we can gather and we yeah. can be together. Um, and I wrote a couple devotions on unity, unity, unity within the church um, and looking at Paul and Peter and their examples of how they brought the churches together. And 
they both speak on unity within the church and church divides because they had things that were div divisive issues. And you can apply that to marriage. The same things with church, you can apply to marriage. The Bible is, is great that way. A lot of things that you can apply to one situation, fly to another situation. And that's where knowing your Bible and prayer come into play so much and they help you with your communication and your relationship in, in your marriage. And again, that's a learned thing. That is not, not something you just know. It's something you yeah. learn to learn. Yeah, um, yeah. And you have to have the willingness and the open heart to learn it too and not come in feeling like you already know it all. Yeah. Um, and I do want to take a little bit of a look at your, your kidney failure. Um, <laughs> What was that situation like for you and how did that journey go along? Um, and then you can finish off with telling us what's it like to receive someone else's kidney? Uh, that was, oh my gosh. So yeah, I was, uh, as a year I turned 40 and I mean, life was good. You know, I was in, my marriage was good. My boys were great. Um, we were doing martial arts and so I was running the academy and just having a blast teaching and, um, all that kind of stuff, but I wasn't feeling well. I hadn't been feeling well for about two years and the doctor I was at at the time just was not good. He, the only test he ever did on me was, um, uh, iron, you know, the finger prick for the blood for iron. Uh -huh. And I've been anemic my whole life. So that was like nothing new. I'm like, no, something has changed. Uh, cause I don't. I'm just not feeling well. And so I started making a list of, you know, all the little things that were going on. And he comes in one day, he's like, well, we're just, we're getting older. And he just, sometimes you just don't feel as good when you get older. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so I ended up finally going to another doctor that uh, we thought it was thyroid um, because my dad had thyroid disease and my stepmom dealt with that. Yeah. And, and all of the symptoms looked like thyroid. So he's like, well, we'll test your thyroid, but we'll just do a whole panel. And so in that panel was uh, kidney and, and liver tests and all that kind of stuff. And so the doctor calls me and you know, when the doctor calls and not, you know, his assistant, that <laughs> it's probably yeah. not good news. And he said, well, I have good news and I have bad news. And um, that's always never something you want to hear either. He said, the good news is your thyroid is fine the bad news is you're at 22% kidney function mm. out of the blue. Um, I have no history of kidney, anything in my family. And what I actually had was called polycystic kidney disease, which is a genetic disease, but I happen to be a mutation. And so out of, I mean, out of left field, nothing that was even considered <laughs> was this kidney failure. Um, being at 22%, I was already eligible to go onto the transplant list. We were, you know, talking about, you know, dialysis and, you know, getting a port in and getting ready for dialysis and all that kind of stuff. And they said, your best chance of getting a kidney faster is going to be to have a living donor. Well, talk about again, humility. Mm -hmm. to ask somebody to go under the knife for you, go through surgery and give you literally a piece of them was overwhelming. It's like, oh my gosh, yeah. like how could I ever ask somebody to do that for me? Well, and the alternative is dialysis, which is not fun to go through either. I mean, that's like yeah. constantly going to the hospital or 
having stuff set up at your like it's uh, I've I've seen people who have it and know people yeah. have it. It's it's quite a thing. So that's that's a tough choice to be between those two. Yeah. Well, because the the list for a um, deceased donor was three to five years long, mm-hmm. and my kidneys were not going to last three to five years. <laughs> um. So. I mean, that took some prayer about, okay, well, what do I do? Do I go on dialysis or do I humble myself and ask? And it it was clear that God was asking me to, to ask. And so I, I put it out there, um, at the karate school. Um, you know, I just kind of let people know what was going on with me and, you know, what, you know, the ideal would be to happen at my church, um, through my friend groups and, um, well, let me back up just a little bit because the story of my donor is, is pretty interesting too. When we started martial arts, I felt, um, I felt like we were supposed to be there. I was like, I don't know why we're supposed to be here, but once we got started and, you know, our, our kids were there and then my husband and I both started and I said, we're supposed to be here. I don't know why. Well, then a few years later, when I started working there and I kind of created my own position, I said, hey, you could really use some help in this area. I can do that for you. And so my teacher was like, sure. So slowly I, you know, added on and started working and took over the kind of the whole admin of the of the uh, business. I said, well, maybe this is why I'm supposed to be here, you know, so that I could have this kind of new career opportunity. Or maybe I'm supposed to be here because, you know, I'm influencing and empowering all these people's lives, whether it was children or adults, you know, maybe that's why I'm supposed to be here. Maybe I'm supposed to be here to, uh, you know, be a witness and, you know, to, to spread the gospel. I mean, there were so many opportunities for so many things. Well, I, when I started asking for people to donate a kidney, which again, I even still have a hard time talking about it. It's just so, how do you ask somebody for that? Um, I ended up having 10 people who were willing to go in and get tested mm-hmm. and talk about humbling again, just to know that there were 10 people that were willing to go in and be tested uh, to give me a kidney. And, and again, with all these people, all their stories were just amazing. And that, I mean, that could be an entire another talk. <laughs> it's just all the stories of all the people and why they wanted to do it. But the first person to go in and get tested was the one they ended up approving. And she was a young lady from that I had met from martial arts and who I had kind of mentored for a couple of years, um, just spiritually. We would meet once a week and discuss uh, a Bible study or uh, a biblical-based book or something. And uh, she was really very... Um, well, she was kind of shy. She didn't have a lot of friends. Um, her view of Christianity was that you had to be good enough for God to accept you. And so that's why I love that verse that while we were sinners, it's like, no, you don't have to get there first. And so I had been, you know, mentoring her and, and meeting with her for a couple of years beforehand. She is 19 years younger than me. And when they approved her, I didn't want to accept it because she was so young. I said, I don't, you know, I don't want this to mess up anything in her life going forward. Cause she was so young. Yeah. And transplant's and, not an easy procedure. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so I actually ended up asking more questions of the doctors regarding her than I did myself. Cause I'm like, you know, what are her chances to have kids or future medical problems, you know, all these things. And, and she's like, I don't care. I'm doing this. I don't care. I'm doing this. Um, and so, so then I thought maybe this is why we were at this particular martial arts Academy, you know, and that was gosh, like five, six years that we had already been there. Um, but from the beginning, I knew that we were supposed to be there. So that's where I met my kidney donor. And um, oh, what I had another thought that popped in my head. Oh, do you know a lot about organ transplants and antigen matches and that kind of stuff? I do know it has to be, there has to be certain blood types and as well as like yeah. levels has to be, yeah, there's some balance. I don't know a lot about it, but. Yeah. So she was a blood type match, but she was a zero out of five antigen match. Mm-hmm. And typically you want to have as close to five as you can, um, because then your body's going to be less likely to reject it, to attack it and reject it. And so she was a zero out of five match. And so I was really confused about why she was the one that they chose. <laughs> and I called when we finally had to make the decision to accept her as my donor, I was talking to one of the transplant nurses and I said, you know, I'm going to ask you a question. I said, if this kidney was for you or somebody you loved, would you take it being a zero out of five match? And this woman on the other end of the phone, another God moment in this, I think she was placed there that day. She said, well, 12 years ago, I received a kidney from my brother and he was a zero out of five match. And she says, and it's been going strong for 12 years. She's like, so yes, I would take this match. And I mean, that is exactly what I needed to hear that day. And I really feel like that was a God moment too, (laughs) to, to place that person on the phone that day. And so I'm going into this with, okay, it's a zero out of five match. It's a blood match. They say it's okay. I, I guess we go forward with it. Um, and it's turned out to be completely fine. I mean, medications have come a long way um, so that they can monitor things better. Uh, the kidney has always been very at home in my body. And, you know, I have to attribute that to God as well. But the really cool thing about my story and my donor is that after, well, during the whole process of everything, she had gotten involved in a church choir and her church choir, they did a Bible study together. And so she got involved in that and they were totally supportive of her through this whole thing. Uh, You know, people showed up in her life and took care of her and praised her for what she was doing. And the fact that she had the opportunity to donate a kidney to me really changed her life. And she is a much different person now than before. She is so busy now that I can't hardly get on her calendar (laughs) to see her anymore, (laughs) you know, and God just really blessed her with, I don't know, Christ's hands on earth with people that took care of her, supported her, encouraged her. And she really saw that, wow, you know, I do have a community of people that I can trust that I can you know, believe in. And yeah. And now she, I mean, 
she's got so many friends and so many contacts and so many activities now. I'm like, that is amazing. Like that is just fabulous. And the fact that the kidney is has always done so well in my body, part of me wonders if I went through this so that she could have that. Yeah. Yeah. God you uses, know? God uses bad situations to bring up how good but we see that time and time again. Yeah. And- yeah. And I mean, so yes, things have changed in my life and I've had to make adjustments. Um, when we were talking about, <laughs> you know, how, how I learned how, how Tim reacts to things and how he has to process things and, you know, how he learns about me, especially, you know, just with marriage and fighting. One thing that he said is that when it comes to like my health and stuff, he always tries to read my reaction to things and then he responds accordingly. Um, so during this whole process, I had this calm about me. I had, I had a peace. I just knew that it was going to work out. I knew we were going to find a kidney. I knew it was going to be fine. And again, that's, again, the only thing I can attribute to that is to God's peace in me. Um, cause normally I am like a control freak and have to know what's going on every single minute, you know, and this was so far out of my control that I could do nothing but trust. And I, I remember telling my husband, like, I wish I could download my brain into you so that you could understand that I really am at peace. I'm not just saying that I really am at peace with this. And I just knew that it was going to be fine. Um, and, and even the same thing for my kids, Uh, you know, I didn't want them to worry. I didn't want them to be fearful. I didn't want them to, you know, wonder if their mom was going to be around or not. Um, because I didn't have those fears. It was just a really phenomenal time in my life where I just knew that I was taken care of. It was, it was, it was all good. And do you feel a special connection to your donor now because of that oh, experience? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, I, you see these, you know, memes and stuff all the time that you, you haven't truly given until you can give something that can't be repaid. And that is what she has done. I can never, ever repay her for what she's done. Um, man, to, <sighs> yeah, I, I, to, to, to go on under the knife and go into a surgery and for somebody, I mean, there's no words. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. It, that always reminds me of uh, Jesus Christ and what, what he's done for us, G- giving that pain and that, that suffering for our, for our freedom. And yeah. uh, that connection is, is the same. It's someone's given a piece of themselves for you that they can never get back yeah. uh, so that you can survive. And that, that, that takes a certain kind of love um, and a certain kind of dedication and loyalty uh, to someone and um, can only say good on her like yeah yeah and that again is God working and bringing bringing things about so that so that you can both grow out of it and and learn something out of it oh yeah oh yeah yeah I can't even and she did it so willingly i mean she was the first one to get her paperwork in you know yeah. she was just ready to go and 
Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely something that can never be repaid. (laughs) And, And, you know, eternally grateful for. And how has that kind of shaped you into how you are now? Yeah. So, so first of all, anytime I think anybody goes through something like that, you, you realize front and center how short life is. And it really made me think about, you know, what am I doing? Am I doing what I'm called to do? Am I where I'm supposed to be? Should I be doing more? You know, where do I go from here? Um, And just to not take things for granted, uh, you know, in in life and and in in what you do. And um, so I have pills that I have to take every day for the rest of my life, as long as my kidney lasts, uh, to protect the kidney from my body attacking it. There are some unpleasant side effects from those medications. Um, I still am somewhat decreased in energy um, prior to when I was first feeling sick. And so I really have to plan my days around my energetic times <laughs> so that I'm doing the important stuff when I have energy. And then, you know, the less important stuff when I, you know, I'm a little less energetic in the afternoon and evenings. Um, but it really made me think about, you know, how, again, how am I spending my time? What should I be doing? Uh, and because of my health issues, I really started diving more into health and what what you can do to support your health. I was one of those skinny and healthy people. I looked great. I was training like five days a week, sometimes two times a day, but my diet sucked because I could literally eat whatever I wanted and I would just burn it up. After the kidney transplant, I had to slow down. Um, martial arts is kicking, punching, that kind of stuff. When they transplant a kidney, they put it in the front in your pelvis area. So it's not very protected anymore. My doctors were less than thrilled to hear that I was going back into martial arts. (laughs) Um, but I just learned how to slow it down and make sure that I was protecting my kidney and so that it wouldn't get injured. But in doing that, Uh, I started gaining weight and the medications I'm on don't help with that either. And I realized that, yeah, even though I was uh, physically um, like exercise wise, I had a lot of health that my diet needed to change. And so I looked, started looking more into, okay, well, what do I need to do to better support this gift that I've been given? What can I do to make sure that uh, what I'm putting in and on my body isn't harming the kidney? Your kidney is one of your organs of elimination. So your kidney and your liver both filter your blood and everything that goes through you. And I started learning more just about food preservatives and how food is processed and, you know, all the junk that is allowed in our food. And I don't know how it is in Canada, but the U S allows an awful lot of junk in our food. MSG is one of the worst. And that is in so many things i have to read every single label because if i get msg i am sick for the next two days yeah yeah and that's that's one of those things i put in and even with my son with certain fruits and vegetables uh he doesn't react to them if they're homegrown yeah but if he eats like celery or or something that is not homegrown 
he'll get little hives around his lips and we're like yeah it's we've washed it but you can't get rid of all of it so yeah. we've just had to really learn to really watch what we're buying what we're eating that kind yeah. of thing if we're yeah. going to eat chips which um so that is one of the things I do enjoy even though my body doesn't like it so much <laughs> but I have to buy the brand old Dutch because they don't put in MSG whereas the other brands put MSG to boost the flavor and I'm like if you got to put MSG to boost the flavor your product isn't that good <laughs> yeah. yeah well and like you said even washing like there's so many pesticides on everything, but the thing is the pesticide seeps into the ground. And so then it becomes not only on the outside of the food, but it becomes part of the food. Yeah. And the, the, the source of nutrients for our food is getting depleted. And so unless you are growing your own or know where it came from, I love going to farmer's markets and buying from local farmers. You, you don't know what's you know, what kind of nutrients the food has or what kind of pesticides or um, additives or whatever the food has. And I mean, coloring, so many food colorings people are allergic yeah. to, and they're finding links between, you know, you know like red dyes and- My um, son's allergic to red dye. Yeah, yeah. And things like, you know, ADD and that kind of stuff and that they're finding some links to. And, um, but when you look at your, your organs and that they have to filter all of that stuff out. I mean, our bodies were created amazingly to take care of us. Um, but this day and age, we are overtaxing our bodies with all of the pollutants in the air, the pollutants in our water, in the ground, in our food sources. And so our organs are working overtime. And given this gift of somebody else's kidney, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't overtaxing it and causing it to you know, fail before necessary. Um, so I took a deep dive into, <laughs> into health and nutrition and what's in our food sources, what's allowed in our food. And, and then that kind of led me into what we put on our bodies. So, you know, anything that you put on your body, whether it's shampoo or lotion or toothpaste or cosmetics, you know, anything that touches your skin absorbs within like 29 seconds, I think it is into your bloodstream. Yeah. And so what you put on your body is just as important as what you're putting in your body. And so I kind of went down that rabbit hole of, oh my goodness, you know, you need to make sure that the chemicals you're using at home, you know, stop using chemicals. There's a lot of natural ways to do things. And, and so natural that cleaners. So, so there's a lot of natural yeah. cleaners out there and, and sunscreen is actually yeah. one uh, one of the worst same with uh bug repellent uh yep. some some of the worst things that you can actually put on your body um so we have to really watch what brands we buy for sunscreen uh yeah. because my daughter actually reacts to some sunscreens she gets rashes from them yeah. um, and same with off spray like that is one of the worst you have mm -hmm. to look for look for the stuff that actually doesn't have deet and stuff DEET. like that in it because yeah. it actually is brutal on your body so well yeah. and it's amazing how many I've kind of divin, dove a little bit into um essential oils I am not an expert in essential oils but you can use essential oils as cleaners. Um, 
well, as cleaners, but also as bug repellent. Oh, yeah. You know, so there are, there are so many alternatives, but we've gotten into this consumerism of and, and, and making things simple, quick and easy. And, you know, and oh, gosh, don't get me started about COVID and bleach and hand sanitizer. I mean, I think in trying to keep ourselves healthy and free of germs, we've actually damaged ourselves by, by using some of those products that were, you know, recommended to keep us healthy from COVID. Yeah. And well, you, um, get, you get no immunity when you kill all, yeah. the, all the germs, you get no immunity. That's why with kids, it's like, if you bubble wrap them, they get sick play in the dirt <laughs> yeah exactly like there's dirt out there we used to have to play my kids don't play a lot in the dirt um, they used to play in a sandbox but they don't really use that much anymore uh but it's like no like you, you've got to go out and just be exposed to things you can't completely shelter yourself that's not saying don't take yeah. precautions yeah but you also need to be exposed to things so you can develop immunity and that's something we have we've been bad at and that's why we're seeing super viruses now like because the more you battle it the more it alters and mutates itself and yeah. becomes a super virus it still wants to survive <laughs> yeah just like us they're created yeah. they're created in such a way that they are going to fight to survive and it's no different with with humanity like we, oh, yeah. we fight to survive it's like you taking yeah. a kidney that's you yeah. fighting to survive. <laughs> that's me fighting to survive. Exactly. My body is failing. What can I do to save that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, people who are who are alcoholics, they end up overtaxing, like you say, their body. And yeah. I can't drink alcohol anymore. If I do, it really, my stomach goes berserk. It, it hates it. Um, but it just, your body can't filter it properly. And eventually you do, you kill your organs enough that they just can't, same with smoking. They just can't handle yeah. it anymore and they do fail. And that's why the Bible says our bodies are a temple and we're given that gift and we're supposed to take care of our bodies, not yeah. abuse and overtax our bodies. And I think that's what you're talking about. Like we're, we're seeing so much more and the diseases are getting worse yeah uh and like well, we're cancer seeing... is so prevalent now yeah exactly and that's because you've weakened so many systems enough that that's what's happened is and yeah. now it's developing as a mutation and it's developing as like something you're passing down like it's just we do we need to take care of our bodies um and i think you do that a little bit in your business um living your best life with carlene um can you tell us a little bit about that and what that is the purpose of that yeah so again going back to life is short <laughs> um i want to be in a place where i'm encouraging people to really live what it is they want to live you know if you are at a job and you are just miserable and it's taking away from your family it's it's affecting your health you know get a different job, you know, trust that there's going to be something better out there for you. God didn't design us to be, you know, in jobs that were <laughs> literally killing you, you know, taking away from your health, taking away from your family. Um, 
I, I think so many people get comfortable in, in having the paycheck that they're too afraid to actually go out and do whatever it is that they really desire. They really feel that they're led to do. And so part of, you know, living your best life is about taking those chances, taking those risks and really evaluating what am I supposed to be doing? Uh, why am I here on the earth and what am I supposed to be doing? Um, but the other part of that is the health part of it. You can't go out and be your best self if you are not healthy, if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not taking the time. I, my kind of one of my catchphrases is that self care is a success principle. I think people get so busy and they wear that busyness as a badge of honor that they don't take care of themselves and eventually it's going to fail. So you either take the time now or your body's going to force you to take the time later. And just being able to educate people on health. I did not know, for example, um, there's acidic and alkaline foods. Um, Our body works better when you eat alkaline foods, acidic foods plus sugar are actually what cancer all illnesses feed on. They feed on that acidity and they feed on sugar. So if you can kind of eliminate those from your diet, you're going to be healthier and you're going to feel better. You're going to have more energy. I focus a lot on gut health and really repairing and healing and supporting your gut. Um, Most of your immune system resides in your gut. Uh, Serotonin, which is the happy drug, (laughs) the happy chemical, I should say, um, is also something like 70 or 80% of it is manufactured in your gut. And so there's a huge connection between the brain and the gut and how you feel mentally and depression and all that kind of stuff as well. And I mean, I didn't know any of this until, like I said, I kind of went down that rabbit hole and started learning for myself. There's actually something, a little part of your brain that actually directly connects down to your gut and, and that actually does control mood and, and your energy levels are controlled a lot through there. Um, I didn't know that until actually last week I was watching something and it, and, and they showed this little bit. I'm like, oh, it's just this little tiny piece inside the, the middle of your brain that just kind of connects down. I'm like, that is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. So many people, I mean, we have more people with depression now than ever. And a lot of that can be linked back to how you're feeding your body, you know, and if you're properly fueling it with nutrition, or if you're just eating junk. And so I really just want to get out there and and just educate people about what it takes to truly have your best life, to live your best life. And a big piece of that is making sure that you are feeling your best, because when you feel your best, you show up as your best for your family, your friends, your clients, whoever it is. And we are so programmed, you know, to have the quick and easy, you know, quick and easy, quick and easy, everything is quick and easy and eating healthy. doesn't need to take a lot of time. There are things you can do to help it be quick and easy, which I love working with people to figure out how to create health in their busy schedules. But, you know, it's easy to go to Starbucks. It's easy to swing by a drive-through, you know, all of those things. And that's not doing you any favors. And so I think just educating people, and, and I have a real big why, you know, 
I want to do this so I can keep this kidney and not everybody has that big of a why, but don't get to the point where you, you have that why, I, you know, I want to get to people before they're sick and, and ready to change. A lot of times it takes that illness for people to change. And I want to get to them before that so that we don't have to go through that illness that you can just change now and create better health going forward. Yeah. I've got IBS. That's one of the things I've got. So it's, Mm -hmm. I have to watch all the different foods I eat. And funny thing with IBS though, is everybody's body reacts differently. So for me, I loved salad. That was one thing I loved was a good salad. Um, But lettuce is really hard to digest. Mm-hmm. so we've had to switch to spinach and I don't have salad um, <laughs> I don't eat fresh vegetables we cook them uh, the only time I'll have fresh vegetables is if we make a taco salad then I can't help myself I will eat it but it has to be spinach inside that um, yeah. and watching like you say the acidity uh, of different foods um, I, I can't eat spicy foods because they really do not like me um, same with beans like those kind of things can be really hard to digest. Um, yeah. they, they form gas. Uh, and so learning about the different types of foods that you can and can't eat, um, like pork, I will every once in a while have bacon. But, <laughs> uh, only one or two slices at a time because I regret it after I eat it. Um, and if I eat chips, it has to be in moderation. Um, sugar is something I've been working to really, really cut back on because I like my chocolate. Um, but we've had a thing of sour soothers sitting in our cupboard and it's been there for a couple months because I hardly ever touch them anymore because yeah, like you say, it, it affects everything. What you eat affects every part of your body and God gave us natural foods for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and sometimes it it takes time to explore, like maybe what it is that's bothering you. I think so many people have lived in a state of not feeling well for so long that that's their norm. And then when suddenly you make a change and you feel better, you're like, wow, I didn't know how bad I felt. And I love when people discover that Um, I offer a, a 30 day kind of body reset reset your gut. We take out gluten. We take out dairy. We take out soy. We take out um, anything artificial. Um, and to just allow your body to get all those things out. And then we add them back in to see what your reaction is. I did not know that I was, I'm not allergic, but I'm sensitive to gluten. I'm sensitive to dairy. When I added those back in, I mean, heartburn, uh, joint pain, not sleeping well, low energy. So now I have information. I can make a choice. Okay. So if I have dairy, I do like ice cream. I know that I'm probably not going to feel well for a couple of days. So that's a choice I make, you know, do I want to eat it and not feel well? Um, or do I just avoid it? But, but I I know, I know that now before I didn't know that I didn't know why I didn't feel good. I didn't know why I was, you know, my joints were, uh, inflamed and swollen sore. I didn't know why I wasn't sleeping well. And so once I made that discovery that, oh, it's because of these, these things. So when I choose to not eat them in my diet, I feel a lot better. I have a lot more energy. You know, I'm not going to bed with heartburn every night. <laughs> and I just don't think people realize that they can feel better. Yeah. You don't have to live in this state of, okay, you know, 
And, and again, you don't, it's not necessarily that you're ill. It's just that your body is not being fed what it needs to, to run at optimal, you know, percentage. Um, I work with athletes that just want to have a little bit better of an edge, you know, in their training. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing what food can do for you. Yeah. I had to cut dairy completely out of my diet. Um, I've always been dairy allergic to dairy, but I would still splurge every once in a while. But now it's gotten to the point where it's like, I, I can't even have dairy and anything. We use coconut milk and everything that we, yep. that we do. And coconut milk is a good alternative. Actually. Um, I, I enjoy coconut milk. Um, but dairy definitely is something that is, is a big one for a lot of people. Uh, yeah. I am okay with gluten. They kept telling me like all the any naturopaths or anybody would see, they would be like, oh, cut, cut dairy out of your di- or um, gluten out of your diet, cut gluten out of your diet. And I talked to my doctor, my doctor's like, you're not sensitive to gluten. Don't cut it because if you start cutting it, then when you do eat it, it's going to be yeah. bad for you. So don't cut it. Um, I don't, that's not to say you go out and like, eat everything gluten you do have yeah. to eat it in moderation well, um, and know your sources of it too yeah you know make sure that what you're eating is 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 natural and that it's um you know just know your sources yeah yeah it's gluten is not necessarily bad but it's it's become so i i think if i were to eat bread from 100 years ago i would probably be fine I really don't think that a lot of people necessarily have a gluten sensitivity so much as they are sensitive to all of the other things that have gone into the production of the grains. Including the pesticides and stuff. Yeah. 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 So know your sources, (laughs) know where your food's coming from. (laughs) Yeah. And, and that is definitely an important message because a lot of people, they don't think about that um, until it's too late. Yeah. And, and once it's too late, it's too late. And uh, for me, I just, I just have to really watch like no alcohol, no dairy, no pork, um, yeah. sugar limiting. Like it's just, and like you say, re- reading labels. Um, so you know what chemicals are going into the red dye. Uh, my wife, if we're on long trips, she will eat red candy because it does give her energy to stay awake since I can't drive anymore. <laughs> it, and before, when I drive, if I drive for more than like 15, 20 minutes, I get extremely sleepy. Mm-hmm. So for trips, it's my wife driving because otherwise I will fall asleep at the wheel. Like I'm just, I don't know why something about driving just makes me want to sleep. Yeah. Um, but that dye gives her energy. And That's for my nice. For my son, it's always been, if he eats red dye, he goes berserk. Like he would just have temper tantrums. Uh, He would be super wired. Like just red dye would make him go berserk. And he would be a completely different child. You couldn't control him. And normally he is is a pretty calm child that you can talk to and control. And he's always been that way. But if you gave him red dye, boom, different child. So he doesn't eat red dye. Uh, anymore just and so we we do watch that I mean we eat red dye occasionally because of candy <laughs> but uh, it's definitely something we limit um, and we limit the sugar because it is bad yeah well and you mentioned coconut milk um, I am all about I don't want to just take all everything away from you but there are 
things you can do alternatively, you know, instead of, you know, milk, there's nut milks and oat milk and coconut milk. There's so many other alternatives that you can use. Um, I mean, now is a great time to be gluten-free and dairy-free. There's so many, I mean, I remember even, you know, five, six years ago, gluten-free pasta was still a little, eh, but now there are so many varieties that you can find, you know, something that actually still tastes good. So it's not that you can't have pasta, but switch it for this, you know, okay. You can't have dairy ice cream, have coconut milk ice cream, you know, instead of this, eat this. So I'm not about like taking away everything. You know, people think about that. They're like, Oh, you're just going to tell me not to eat all this. And it's like, well, no, instead of have this alternative, you know, eat brown rice instead of white rice. There's, there's just a better choice. So it's about making better choices. And again, when you know how food affects you, then you can make a informed decision about whether I choose to eat that or not. Yep. You know, is it okay if I feel like, you know, Crap. staying in bed for the next two days yeah. or, you know, should I just say no and go for something else instead? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I love helping people find those choices and, and to develop, um, you know, just a new lifestyle around different foods. And, it is and because a- when people feel better, they're like, wow, I, I didn't know that I could feel this good. Yeah. And it is about exploration. Like you, you take a look at it and be like, okay, I've tried this and I feel like crap. Let's not eat that anymore. Yeah. Try something else, you know, okay, I feel fine eating this. Like, so yeah. And the elimination and then going back in easily, that, that was not a fun process. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no. It, it, it does work. It, it is something that does help. But I mean, we're so conditioned to, to take a pill for everything. And um, since I have medications that I have to take, I don't want to take any more. Like yeah. I, I didn't take a lot of medications before the kidney transplant, and now I have to take medications. And so I would rather do what I can naturally uh, <laughs> before yeah. taking a pill for it, because yeah. pills are just covering up you know, symptoms, they're not really treating exactly. the root cause. And, you know, when you start looking at the root cause of things, you, it's, it's just better all around. Um, but yeah, so, so interesting that, like I said, for me, it took a health crisis for me to get to the, to here. I hope that it doesn't take a health crisis for more people to get here. And, you know, so it really has changed my whole perspective of, um, just diet and health and, how our bodies work and wanting to help other people to get there without the health crisis, you know? And, and so, and yeah, and it's just all that whole, I mean, living your best life is just encompassing of, you know, you know, spiritually where, where is God leading you? Where does God want you? Like I said, you know, I kind of had this, this thought of, you know, well, what have, you know, what have you done in the past that you flourished at? Where do you really enjoy spending time? And it really was in helping people to create, uh, you know, well, really their best life through physical therapy. You know, I didn't want to send somebody home who was not able to have a good quality of life going forward. Um, you know, helping young moms to really embrace that stage of life and, and to flourish in that stage of life and helping people with martial arts to, you know, create confidence and um, better physical health and all that kind of stuff. And that's where I've always enjoyed being is in, in that space. And so, uh, 
being able to do this is 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 in that space and also affords me the freedom to be able to create my own schedule for two reasons one so that i can be energetic when i need to be and have you know my the bulk of my work then but also since we're empty nesters to be able to have a little bit more freedom so that i can be off when my husband's off and so that we can kind of enjoy our our empty nesting life and be able to do everything together. I mean, we love doing ministry together and being able to do that as a couple again is so much fun. <laughs> yeah. And exercise is definitely a key part of that. Um, mm-hmm. When I start feeling really, really tired, cause I've got so much editing stuff to do. I, I usually go for a walk because then I, I usually get a little bit of energy that I can kind of finish what I'm doing. Sometimes I do have to take a nap still because I'm my just, I don't have energy because of all the seizures and stuff that I, I've done. My brain just doesn't function that way anymore, but it's just exercise is, is key to tie in there. Same with staying hydrated. People don't think about staying hydrated. And um, I was reading something the other day or watching something and they said, drinking just water isn't, isn't good enough. You do need to put in some things that have some electrolytes in it um, to get your, your energy and stuff, because your body does need that, especially if you're exercising. Well, and you don't always get hydration from water. I mean, the fruits and vegetables you eat, you know, be conscious about, you know, getting, getting that water from other sources as well, that, um, yeah, it doesn't have to be just, like you said, just plain water, (laughs) but yeah, Um, exercise, it's, it's all, it's all a package. We were created for we were created for movement. Yeah. We, I mean, honestly, we were not created to sit here in front of a computer screen. <laughs> no, you and, know, and uh, with the the everything that's sugar that's added in, like I look for unsweetened oh coconut milk. Um, actually, sweetened mm-hmm. coconut milk used in recipes is disgusting. Um, yeah. So you want the unsweetened coconut milk uh, yep. or soy milk or whatever you're using. I don't recommend soy milk myself. Um, but it's just hard to process is the reason why, yeah. but um, you look for all the unsweetened versions of things. Same as when we, I like to drink juice, like fruit juice, but we look for the unsweetened stuff, stuff that just has, like if it says water and this yeah. juice, that's what we look for. No for added that. sugar. <laughs> exactly. Uh, because otherwise, yeah, it, it, it is harder on your body. And uh, actually sweetened juice is just sickly sweet. Like you get sweetened apple juice and it's like, what am I drinking? <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> so. Well, that's another thing too, is our body, it, it recognizes natural foods. It recognizes things that were grown in the ground. It doesn't recognize manufactured foods. So a lot of times it just doesn't even know what to do with it. And so it stores it as fat. It, um, creates a reaction of inflammation in our body. It creates bloating, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff and gas and that kind of stuff. So even like sweeteners, um, it's better to use like honey and maple syrup because those are from the earth and our body recognizes them rather than all of these processed sweeteners and foods. Uh, again, it's, it's don't, you don't necessarily have to take everything out just replace it with this. Yeah. And when it comes to sugar, whether it's natural or not, you do need to make sure that you're not eating too much. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, because too as, much of a good thing is yeah. still not, it, it can be bad, you know, so you don't want to be on an all fruit diet. So yeah, fruits, natural sugar, but it's still sugar and our body still reacts the same, but, um, but our body understands and recognizes natural things more than it does process things. And so it just deals with it better. Yeah. And that's, that's evidence of creation that, you yeah. know, God created us and designed us specifically for this. And when you start putting things in that God didn't design for that purpose, you end up with problems. Yeah. And yeah. yeah and it's like, it goes back to the, again, our body being a temple, yeah. watch what you put into it. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I've enjoyed this conversation. It's been fantastic. But, uh, thanks for coming on. It has yeah, been a thank you. Great pleasure. <laughs> thank you thank you for listening to cool explorations today we were talking with carlene wagner and you just heard her testimony and her experience with kidney failure and what it was like to receive someone else's kidney and how she saw god at work throughout that whole uh, time as well as starting her new business living your best with carlene and she explained a little bit about what that business does well, I have just been uh, blessed with so many people who are requesting to be on the show, and I'm impressed with how many people want to share their testimonies or what they're doing uh, for the Lord right now. Uh, if I haven't got back to you, I promise I will get back to you. Uh, I look forward to, to speaking with each of you and interviewing you, and uh, keep tuning into the show. There, there's lots of, of new people that are coming on here, and if you're considering wanting to to come on the show uh just shoot me an email at tpeters745 at gmail.com and uh, i will get back to you